0: Amen. Well, thank you very much, guys, for leading us in worship. It was a real blessing. Uh, and before I, I bring the word, I just want to bring some updates, announcements, notices, uh, kind of family news, as General was saying. The, um, one thing happened early in the week with both sadness and rejoicing that uh, John Payton went to be with the Lord. And so, um, obviously, we just want to remember Margaret and the family in this time, just as we, uh, as she kind of has to deal with things, but, uh, and deal with that loss as well, Uh, and so our prayers are with them. Um, We also want to pray for Ruby Pugh, Uh, so, uh, Ruby uh, went over to uh, River Church, not to, Well, probably is a little bit of time now, a year and a bit ago, Uh, she fell over this week and broke her hip, we just want to pray for her, she had an operation, uh, I'll be honest, haven't heard how that's gone yet, so, we just want to pray for her recovery in that. If you don't know, Ruby's in her 90s, so although she acts like a spring chick, but, um, but yeah, we pray for that healing for her. Um, John asked me just to give you um, a little kind of uh, prompting with the booking system. If you're coming here on a Sunday, the booking is now, uh, you book not a place for yourself, but you book a table. So if it's just one or two of you, you can have one of the smaller tables Three, you can also maybe fit on one of the smaller tables, but you book it if it's just kind of on those numbers, if it's just one or two or up to three or up to five. So you don't have to book multiple tables unless you're bringing your entourage with you as well, uh, which you're very welcome to do uh, as well. So just uh, do check that when you're doing the booking system. It's good to see quite a full house here today. Uh, but if you're at home, you're very welcome still to come. Um, and if you've got any questions about what it's like in the church, uh then do speak to myself or John and we're happy to help you. Um, another update is this week, oh, we've appointed a new uh, family and community worker. Um, so they'll be starting on the 1st of November. Uh, her name is Abby. Um, and so, again, what we'll be doing, we'll be doing an introductory video and we're good to share uh, introduce her to the church family as well as she starts in that new role. Um, on the screen... Um, I've, got an up, I've had an update from Amit Thomas. So, uh, if you weren't aware, recently we had, um, uh, it was on my heart that we have a collection for Amit uh, and his workers. So, uh, I think it's, if I remember right, about 35 pastors, evangelists that are throughout India uh, and Nepal. Um, so, we were able, I, I was looking for 17 uh, kind of monthly commitments. And we got 17 uh, commitments. And so we've covered their expenses for four months. Um, and so that's a real blessing. And so he was just updating me again how this has made such a difference. and really got the impression it's, it's that moment when you, you kind of think, God, how is this going to work? How is this going to happen? I trust you, but I don't know how. And then suddenly someone comes and says, I want to help you. And God brings that deliverance through others and, and for these many churches um, in uh, in India, so although it's 35 people, it's more than that in terms of churches that in a sense we're supporting um, and so we've been that support for them our brothers and sisters and particularly uh St Amit was was uh, just the real gratitude of the spouses of the workers and we can forget the families and the, all those kind of things but again maybe if you're uh, well there are spouses here but you get the idea of sometimes you might feel a bit powerless um, and you're the one who's got to make the ends meet get the food or whatever it might be when someone else is working and there was particular gratitude from the spouses uh, for the support that's come from us uh, and so really want to give us give you guys thanks for that as well um, there is another opportunity to give though and I just wanted to make you aware of that so one the uh, my other friends in India is, is Piel and we've met him before he's been here and preached um, and they run an annual Christmas program um, I think if I can remember the numbers rightly this year at Christmas they're, they're aiming to reach out to 16,000 people um, and that is by offering food and gifts and things like that um, and this is a great time for um, the gospel to be heard and I was talking to him about this and he was saying they are, they are seeing an increase in people coming to faith during this time. Um, and so an increase for them is also quite good. So the other day, I know he uh, every church basically is baptising, say, 10 to 15 people um, a month. Um, so it's, this is the kind of increase. And so the Christmas programme is a real opportunity because, again, it's showing the love of Christ in difficult times um And so, if you would like to contribute to that that scheme uh, that program, then do just um, let me know and I'd like to send some money over in the next couple of weeks and so if you just want to message me um, and then I'll be able to kind of coordinate those, that giving okay that was all the notices so now to the word oh there we go um. Today, I really wanted to speak to you about this subject, the Lordship of Jesus, or the Lordship of Christ, however you want to, might frame it. Um, and I believe that this is a real breakthrough message. Uh, it's, a, it's an easy thing to say for yourself that what I'm going to give you is a breakthrough message. But no, I believe that the whole concept of the Lordship of Christ is brings amazing breakthrough in our lives. And so it's really my prayer uh, that we... Uh, really respond to God this morning and, and see that breakthrough. And I think there can be many issues in our lives. And I don't know, uh, Jenna was kind of saying what we're, what we're praying for, the things that we are be crushed by, the things that we might be struggling with. And ultimately it's my belief that these things come down to lordship. Um, and so maybe whatever struggle you might be going through today, I believe if we if we grasp what God is going to be speaking to us, it can bring real breakthrough and deliverance. Um, and I was reminded of this. I found this picture online. I couldn't find out who it was from, but it's it's a really interesting picture. And it's about uh, Jesus talks about the narrow and the wide gate. So there, are, and again, we need to realize in life there are two ways. There's a narrow way and a wide way, or a broad way. It says, and you can see in the picture there. There's two gates. There's the small little kind of uh, cobbled together gate, and then there's the big kind of attractive gate with palm trees. It looks kind of very impressive. And there's two ways. It says that through the one, and if you see the wide gate, it leads to destruction. There's flames behind it. If you go through the narrow gate, it leads to life, and you see the cross and the eternal kingdom there pictured. And There's this idea that the message of Christ comes, and it's, it's difficult. It's hard. It is hard. And, and we can do people a disservice by saying, come to Jesus, it's easy. And it's not. Um, the way of God is hard because it requires death to ourselves. Um, and the message I feel about when we think about the Lordship of Christ, it goes against the grain. It goes against our, our, our natural senses. And so it's the very easy way the way of this world is to go through the wide gate, the broad way. But that way leads to destruction. When we respond to God and follow his way, it leads to life. And so I want us to think about well, what is the lordship of Christ? Uh, it's very interesting uh, in the song we sang in January's about build your kingdom here. There's a line that says, set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Set your rule and reign in our hearts. And the kingdom of God is about that. It's the it's the reigning of the king in us. It's a place where we come to God and we say, I have surrendered. I've given it all. And that where he is on the throne of our hearts. And now Jesus sits on the throne. I will just quickly read in Ephesians chapter 1. And this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse twenty. Onwards, so if you've got your Bibles, I'll give you a second. If you're at home and you need to grab your Bible, I'll give you a second. But it's Ephesians chapter one, it talks about the reign of Christ. And he says that Christ, when he was he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So that is where Christ is now. He's been raised from the dead, seated at the right hand in heavenly places, far above. All rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And so, again, when we think about authority, we think about who's in authority. And this is saying that Christ is the ultimate authority. He has been seated in heaven on, in authority, the name above which is above every other name, under which every authority is far beneath. It says, it says he is far above, so that means everything else is far beneath. And so when we think about all the authority in this world, he is above it all. And I believe the coming of Christ was to re-establish that authority of God in this world. And there is going to be a day when that That because the battle has been won, the battle of authority has been won, but the outworking of it is still happening and there will be a day when that is ultimately outworked. And he says, and on that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so there is an issue there of authority and I think this is so important because what we see, I see this in the church that there's, there's two things that can happen. You can have a very me-centred faith, where it's all about me, it's all about my blessing, about my benefit, and I come to Jesus because it, it's for me. Um, we also see um, inherited faith, where people have grown up in, in faith, in, in the church maybe, and they've adopted this uh, Christianity, but they've never owned it. They've never actually uh, accepted it for themselves. And I believe God is doing a work in the church in these days, where he is refining it, he is purifying his church. And I, I do believe that, I think I said a few weeks ago, I forget where I say things these days. Um, but I do believe that there is a purpose of God that he is going to be out working in the coming days. And which requires the the Lord, his lordship in our lives. And I'll explain this maybe a bit more. Okay, so let's have a think. Oh, There's a good image. I did this for the... Uh, for the pictorial amongst us, the Lordship of Christ. It's where we surrender. Um, I want to think about where did it all go wrong? What went wrong? And ultimately, what we're, the problem is the sin of pride. And so, the, my down arrow talks about the, the fall of Satan. That um, Lucifer was an archangel in heaven with Michael, with Gabriel, worshipping Jesus. He was one of the highest beings ever created. And he was there in heaven. He was the worship leader of heaven, Um, and I don't know why it happened, but there came a day where he said, I don't want to submit myself to God any longer. I want to be the one who is worshipped. I want to be the one who is in charge. And because of this, he rebelled against God, and it says in the scriptures there was a battle, and he was cast out of heaven with a third of the angels. And so he he, he fell out of, from God's uh, presence and there was judgment, therefore, upon him. Um, and so his sin was to turn from God's order, from God's way. And then we read in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were in this perfect relationship with God, but yet the devil came into that scenario and whispered into their ear, well, actually, if, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil, won't you then be like God yourself? And again, it's the same sin, it's the same root that is saying, well, actually, you don't need to do what God is saying. Actually, you can be like God yourself. You can be a God. You don't have to come under that authority. And then we see it today. This is a symbol, I looked at this symbol, it's a symbol for humanism. And again, the move of humanism is rampant in our age, and humanism means that I elevate the position of human beings. And I think, uh, and so we say what we think is better. And so again, we see this thread right from where Satan fell, through the the, the entry into the Garden of Eden, right through today. Whereas this thing of saying, you know what, I know better. I will elevate myself above God and we see that again and again in the world today and so how do we respond and I believe we need to think about why then Jesus came why did he want to come and how was he going to deal with this now when Jesus came he He came and he said to his disciples or well, before they were disciples come follow me and that was his call come follow me and if we, we've probably heard about this in the past, the kind of the role of the rabbi, where he would say to people, come follow me, and they would literally follow him. It wasn't a figurative thing. He wasn't saying, you know, if you, if you read the news, you're into election season in the US. So he wasn't going up to people and saying, you know, can I count on your vote? You know, uh, are you going to kind of say yes when the, when the time comes? He wasn't saying that. He wasn't saying, you know, can you identify with me? Uh, you know, I want you to just kind of be, be saying like, yeah, I, I think Jesus is a good guy. He wasn't asking for that. If we think about um, the rich young ruler, he said, I want to come and I want to follow you. But he, when it actually came to it, he wasn't willing to do what it took. When Jesus was asking for him to come follow him. He was asking them to lay down their lives. And it says in Luke chapter 14, verse what was it, 27. He says, Jesus said, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now it doesn't say whoever doesn't bear his cross and come after me isn't a very good disciple. She says, you cannot be my disciple. So the mark of a disciple is the one who has taken up his cross and follows Jesus. Now, taking up your cross is that that picture of death. It's that picture of surrendering all, dying to ourselves and following him. Paul also wrote in the book of Romans, this is in chapter 10, verse Oh, I'm in Corinthians. how do we get there? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so God is bringing us into this place of salvation. But it's not just enough to believe. So I believe in Jesus because it says the devil believes in Jesus. The devil believes. The angels believe. But we must confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord. And that means that he is above everything, and that means in our life as well. And the trouble is, a lot of people will come and they will say, yeah, I want Jesus, I'm interested in Jesus. And they have him as their saviour, but they never have him as their Lord. Um, I, I was thinking about this and I wanted to put it into a context of a familiar story. Uh, oh, people are missing my slides. There you go, there's Jesus saying, come follow me. And that is the story of the parable of the sower. And I'm very conscious, I always worry about talking about the parable of the sower because I think it's a, a story where people um, switch off. They think, Oh I know about that. Another sermon on the parable of the sower. I heard this many times. Um, but let's not be like the first part of the Pharaoh, the sower, that is the, the solid ground that says, I don't need it. Um, so if you don't know about the parable of the sower, it says the sower went out to sow, and it's a picture of God going out, or people going out and sowing the word of God, of God's word going out, God's truth going out, and it says that some seed fell upon the path, and it says the birds of the air came and took it, and that's the people with hard hearts, it says the devil takes away the word. Then it talks about the rocky ground. And so the rocky ground is that ground that doesn't have much depth. You know, you can only go so far down. Uh, and so when the seed was sown in that ground, it sprouted up quickly. And I don't know if you've ever done that in your garden. You've got the, the plants, weeds, they're the, the ones that come up really easily if you just pull them. Because they've got no root. And it says that when trouble came, they turned away. And then you've got the thorns. And it says that, they, the, the, again, the seed came and it sprung up, but it couldn't bear fruit. In that hostile environment, it couldn't bear fruit. And it says those were the type of people who um, they were caught up with the cares of this world, the possessions of this world. And then, obviously, the fourth soil was the good soil that bore fruit. And I believe there are attitudes at play in these four types of soil. The th- first three I talk about are worldly attitudes. And the last one is kingdom attitudes. And I think it really relates to what we're looking about in terms of God's lordship. And so when we think about the different attitudes, the first one I want us to think about is the path. So the path is the person, and I really pray this morning, there are none here, there are none watching online who have got a hard heart towards God and to his word. And that can come in many ways. It can become because we just don't want God, or it might become because we, just, we think we know it all, we think we've, we've heard it all, and we've just, we can harden our hearts to what God is saying in a moment. And so, what that person might be saying is, I don't need it. So the, the word comes, and the automatic response is, I don't need it. And what that is saying when we put that in the context of lordship is I am the Lord. Because if you don't need it all I need is what I've got. I am the Lord. That is what you'd be saying. Let me think about the rocky ground. A person I said, they've said it doesn't suit me. Because some people want faith but they want it when it's convenient for them. So they come, you know, and I always remember there was uh, two sisters, and um, they, one said to me once, oh, my sister really needs this. None of them, were, neither of them were Christians, but she really needs it because she's going through a hard time. And so they really didn't understand what faith was about. It's not just, well, let's give you a boost when you're having a bit of a bad time. God's going to come and give you a cuddle, um, which all those things can happen. You can get boost, you can get cuddles, but that's not what faith is about. Because ultimately, and I saw this outworked in their lives, the moment things got better, I don't need God anymore. Or maybe, you know, when things get a little bit tough, then I don't need, I don't want God anymore. Because again, when you're following after God, there will come times when it cuts against the grain. When following God is no longer convenient for you. It goes against your desires, it goes against your wants, it goes against your priorities maybe, it goes against all these things. And so what you're saying is it doesn't suit me and my circumstances are Lord. So if things are going well, maybe I'll do this. If they're not, I'll do this. And so you flip to and fro depending on what's convenient and what's not. The third one, and that's the, the thorns, and I've put this in terms of I know what is best. I know what is best. Because a lot of people, again, they come to faith and they approach it with a very uh, pick-and-mix mentality. Now, if you are a certain generation, I don't know if kids still do this, um, but they love when you enter the cinema and you go and get your pick-and-mix. We used to go down Woolworths back in the day and get pick-and-mix as well. Um, but you, so you go and you get your pick-and-mix. So you get your bag and you want a bit of this. I have a bit of that, and I will have a bit of that. I don't want that one because I don't like that. And so you can you kind of build your your selection based on your desires. And so we can come at faith like that. Well, I like that bit, but I don't like that bit. And that's where you think about the rich young. He you said, "Well, I like. I, I'm happy with obeying my parents. You know, I'm happy with not murdering people. You know, I'm good with that, or committing adultery. I can do that." But, but, but you want to touch my possessions. You, you want to touch this in my life, or you want to touch that in my life. And so what the person of that ground represents is saying, well, actually, ultimately, I believe my possessions, the rich and ruler, I believe my possessions are better for me than what God has got for me. I believe my possessions are Lord. The things that I own, the things that I have, and i will choose what is best in my life now all of these things when we come with these attitudes no matter how sincere we might seem at times but they will not lead to fruitfulness in god and and i want you to take a moment to reflect on your life and say am i being fruitful and I, uh, for me, it's a really tough question because I, I, I think, yeah, there's some good bits, but I know there's a lot more. There's a lot, so much more that God has for me and I want to move into. And, and that's where we have to challenge ourselves on these issues, on these attitudes. Because obviously, the king, the attitudes of the kingdom says, I will obey Jesus and Jesus is Lord. It's a givenness to him. And that leads to fruitfulness. So I do want to focus on that a bit more, drill down. And these are what I call the Jesus is Lord attitudes. The Jesus is Lord attitude. And so there's a few different ones I want us to look at. The first one, I must decrease that he might increase. So this is a, from John 3.30, where John the Baptist is is having his ministry, but along comes Jesus. And, and people are like, well, who's this guy Jesus? He's kind of, all the crowds are going to him. And what John's attitude is saying, he's saying, it's not about me. It's not about my ministry. It's not about my fame, my blessing, my my whatever it is. It's not about me. It's about him. And he will give and he will take away he will raise up and he will bring down. All according to his timing, according to his purpose. And we, our struggle will come if we do think it's about me. He will not be Lord if it's about my desires, my wants, my needs. It's about my fame, about my ministry, all these things. When we lay it down, that he is Lord and he will be fruitful. The second one, Luke 22, 42, and Jesus, this is the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he wrestled with what was coming before him, as he was about to be led to the cross, and he said, not my will, but yours be done. It's an attitude. He said, you know what, I'd love this cup, this, this event, what's going to happen next, I'd love it to pass from me. I'd love not to go through. You know, if, if I said to any And John kind of, I think, mentioned this last week about no one's like, yeah, I love a bit of suffering. You know, Jesus wasn't like, great, I'm going to be whipped and beaten to an inch of my life, and then I'm going to be nailed on a cross. That sounds like a good time for me. It it wasn't like, he was like, just like any of us, you know, I'd rather not go through this. I'd rather not have to suffer in this way. But it's not up to me. It's not my will, but let your will be done. And there's going to be a real crunch moment in our lives where our will comes in contrast to the will of God. And not just in a, well, I, you know, I want to go to this place and God's saying go to this place. But in terms of, this could lead to suffering, this could lead to real problems. And are there things where we're not willing to surrender those things to God? And it's worth thinking about in your life. Are there things where you, that, again, God says that we must come and, and count the cost of following Him. Are there things that you say like that rich young ruler? Well, I'll go that far, but not that, any further. Or will you, like Jesus, say, you know, it's not up to me. It's not my will that it's about. It's about God's will. The next one is in Galatians 2:20, where Paul writes, "I no longer live, but Christ." lives in me. What Paul was identifying was that there was a new way of living. Because I don't know when you came to faith, when you became a Christian, when you gave your life to the Lord. And we all, in a sense, have a history up until that point. But it says at that point when we become a believer that we are in now a new creation in Christ. And we have that picture that it says that we are baptised with him and this is why we get baptised. One of the reasons we get, it says we get baptised into his death. And when we go down into the water is that picture of I am dead. I have died with Jesus because Jesus died. I identify with him and I die with him and my life as it was is no more. You know when you die, there's a famous phrase, you can't take it with you. You know, no matter how many riches you accumulate in this life, you can't take it with you. There was a joke, I don't know why I'm saying this, but he said, um, when you're allowed to take one thing and the man took all his, his gold with him and when he got to the heavenly gates, he's, what he got there, he says, gold, and he said, oh, why would you bring paving stones with you? He's like, even when you bring it, it's of no worth in the kingdom, because his kingdom is much better. Sorry about the bad joke. Um, but the key thing is, we are baptized into his death. We can't take anything with us. A dead man doesn't take anything with him. And sometimes when we come to faith, we, we try and bring things with us. Not realizing, it's, that it's a pivotal moment in your life. And if you come to faith thinking, well, you know, I know this isn't quite right, but I, I want to take it with me. I want to bring this into this new life. Then, then the new life hasn't started. He is not the Lord. Now, equally, there are things when I know when I gave my life to God and God says, you've got to lay that down. You've got, that's got to die. And there were things that happened then and there were things that in years to come he revealed to me. So it wasn't that in that moment I was dramatically and wonderfully transformed into the perfect human being that you see before you today. Um, <laughs> um, but in that moment, he was changing me and it was. A, this is why I call it an attitude, because it's an attitude that says, "I will give everything and give up everything." And so it's a new way of living. He said, "It's no longer I who live. It's not me. It's not Daniel Ball and his choices. It's not Daniel Ball and his will. It is Christ." And it's also, it's, it's not. I'm trying not to use too many double negatives here. It's not not me plus Jesus. So it's. Not me plus Jesus. So it's not me plus Jesus. There you go. So if you think about it, you plus Jesus, it's not that it is. It's minus me plus Jesus. I have to die and Jesus has to live. So I'm not adding Jesus onto me. It's I remove me and he is there reigning in me. We got there for eventually, hopefully. Galatians five twenty four again. Paul says, "I have crucified the flesh." And this is such an important thing. We have to put things to death in our life. I'm going to read that verse because it, it kind of there's more to it than just that. Galatians five verse twenty four, and he says, and "Those who belong to Christ Jesus." have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So your flesh, your physical body, has passions and desires. And if we allow them to, they will run rampant because they are strong. And it says we have to bring our body under submission. Now in Corinthians, Paul says twice to the Corinthians church, He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is not your own. It has been bought with a price. So look at your hands. These are not yours. Just look at your hands. Come on. Let's get some activity. Look at your hands. These are not your hands. These are Christ's. So they are not yours to do with what you want. Now apply that to any part of your body. And he did in Corinthians, he was talking a lot about sexual immorality. Apply it to different parts of your body. It is not yours. They are Christ's to do with what he wants. And we have to deny our passions and desires, put them to death, because otherwise they will reign. And there are many things that we struggle with in life where we are not willing to put those things to death and say, this is not my choice but you have been purchased by him and you are his to do with what he wants and not with what you want. And lastly on these is John fourteen twenty one, And again, I'm going to read this one. I put, I will love and obey. Again, it's a bit more complex than that. Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus said often, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because again, it's, it's saying, I love you, God, and this is again, ultimately, our motivation. When we talk about the Lordship of Christ, it's not about Sergeant Major Jesus, where we stand here and go, yes, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, no, sir, in a sense, it has to be that as well. But the motivation is love. I just, I, I love it whenever I see a, a, a film, a series about Jesus. And there's that part of it, in an imperfect way, I love that character. You know, I'm just like, ah, oh, man, he's so good. He just makes you feel, and that's good acting, isn't it? But I wonder how much more the real Jesus made people feel, so that when he said, come follow me, they weren't like, okay. They're not doing it out of fear. They're not doing it out of old duty. But they're doing it like, this guy I would do anything for because I love him so much. And that is the ultimate motivation in what we're talking about here. That we love him and we obey him. We keep his commandments. If we think about the greatest commandment, he said was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the greatest commandment. Will you obey that, to love him? And he says the second is to love your neighbour as yourself, to lay down your life for one another. Again, this is what the lordship of Jesus is about. It's not about my life, it's not about my gods, my, my ideas. It's about saying, Jesus, you are lord, and I will follow you. I was just thinking, I don't know if there's one more slide, about the 23rd psalm. And it's a well-known psalm. But if you can remember, how does that psalm start? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I put it to you that maybe if he's not your Lord, then he's not going to be your shepherd. Because if you are a sheep that doesn't obey the shepherd, then you don't get the blessing of all those to come. And I wrote down the blessings that are in Psalm 23. If the Lord is your shepherd, it says you will want for nothing. If the Lord is your shepherd, he will give you rest. He will restore you and refresh you. He will lead you down paths that are right. He will keep you secure and safe. You will be comforted. You will be blessed to overflowing and you will be with him. If he is not Lord, you will not receive those blessings because you will be the one who will be saying, well, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do that. Where it's about being led by him into life. And this is at the crux of the message this morning. That if we surrender ourselves fully to God, he will lead us in ways everlasting into life everlasting and blessing. And it might be not what, at all what we thought. I don't know what your dreams were when you were young and you thought, well, I'm going to be this or I'm going to do that. But actually, when we follow the will of God, he leads us in ways that we would never have thought of, never have imagined. But I believe they would be better ways than you could ever have imagined or ever have thought of. And I don't want you to settle for less for you, but also ultimately I don't want you to settle for less, for the glory of God. Because when we live our lives and God is not Lord, I do believe that we dishonour him. Because people will look on you, they will look on the church. And a church where Jesus is not Lord is not honouring to him. Because it will be lukewarm. It won't be attractive. But there's a mighty call and there is a cost that, he's being, that God is saying that, that he involves to follow him. And it's everything. It costs you everything, but it would be worth it. So I'm just going to ask us to just have a time, just a response, considering this word. Um, Jack's just going to come and play for us in the background, but let's just spend some time, as Jack plays, just reflecting um, on what God has said. And maybe just, let's just ask Holy Spirit to come and just bring revelation. Is there anything that we're withholding? Is he the Lord of our life? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done, Lord. We thank you that you didn't leave us, Lord, but you came down and you you conquered sin, you conquered death, and you are authority has been established forevermore, Lord Jesus, as you sit on the throne of heaven, with everything under your feet. And today you're asking us, will we come and submit ourselves to you? Will we come and say, not my will, but yours be done? Because this is is the key to life. It's a narrow way that you're leading us, Lord, but it's the way to life. And Lord, when we think about the many issues in our lives, Lord, I believe they are because you are not the Lord in those areas. You're not the Lord fully in our hearts. So let's use this time now, Lord. Will you speak to us and reveal yourself to us that we might hear from you. Repent, Lord, of our sin. Repent of our stubbornness. Our hard-heartedness. Our lack of belief. Our double-mindedness and let us set our path Lord to follow you right now In this moment, to count the cost. And we don't just. we can respond because we know it's the right thing. But think in this moment what will this mean for me? What needs to change? Am I willing to lay it down? things or that we might be withholding from you. you come and break the lies at the end. Lord we think about that that path that is so hard-hearted. Lord may you bring a sledgehammer upon that ground right now in your name Lord Jesus to break the hardness of heart, that is he's saying, I don't need it. I don't need you. Lord, there is a day when we will bow the knee whether we want to or not. Lord, and may we choose this day to bow that knee to you Lord, in, in in love and in joy. I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for us. You have a plan for this earth. all the people in it, you have a plan and you've called each of us Lord to be part of that everyone sitting in this room today is part of God's plan every person listening online is part of God's plan for the redemption of this earth for the establishment of the kingdom of God God has called you into his plan but he will not force you into it. When God positioned Esther to be queen, she had to go and put her life on the line. And her uncle said to her, if if you do not do it, God will send salvation through another. God will not force you to do this, but he wants to use you in his purpose and in his kingdom. But the only way to do it is to be surrendered to him. if the band can come up and just sing one more song we'll use this as our opportunity just to kind of confirm what God has maybe been speaking to you if God has spoken to you I encourage you to go and tell somebody today because we want to in these things we, we kind of cement them in so to encourage you to go and speak to someone. Lord, Lord, will you just continue to lead us, Lord? Lord, we, we live in times that are a bit uncertain. But you are the authority over all of them. And may we just have ears to hear what you're saying, that you would lead us. Almighty God. Amen.